Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joining this evening, as always, by the gatekeeper, Paul Giroux. There is no Paul, only Zool. <laughs> and the key master, Sean Doyle. Honey, I blew up the kids. <laughs> <laughs> this month's letter was G, and after a bit longer of a wait than I had expected, thanks to my inability to get to a movie theater, we've finally all seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. Does this movie contain the most underwhelming role of J.K. Simmons' career? Let's find out. But first, how are you guys doing? Uh, you know, I can't complain. I mean, I could, but I'd just be complaining at that point. Yeah. Uh. I I don't have any weird stories this time. I was really... I kind of <laughs> came right from work to home to do this, and I'm like still sort of in the mode of, of what I was doing. I feel like I haven't really... Uh, uh, released that part of my day and been able to like think about a funny story. But usually Sean's good for a funny story. I don't know what you got up your sleeve. Hi everyone, Chris here. Uh, so I'm editing the podcast right now, and the whole beginning something went horribly awry with Sean's microphone. Uh, really, you only missed a story that was uh, me and Sean talking about pot roast and pizza while Paul had audio issues on his end, then everything eventually kind of got together and Sean's microphone problems kind of leveled out. Uh, I've cleaned them up as best I could, but uh, unfortunately, the uh, first chunk of the show is just kind of missing and Sean's microphone's going to have a little bit of buzzing on it. So my apologies in advance. Uh, anyway, now back to our show. All right, well, <clears throat> let's, let's get to work. Ghostbusters Afterlife was our choice. Uh, it was released on November 19th, 2021, was distributed by Sony Pictures. It was directed by Jason Reitman, whose other film credits include 2005's Thank You for Smoking, 2009's Up in the Air, and 2007's Juno. He also happens to be the son of original Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman. The movie stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, Paul Rudd, Logan Kim, and more. It tells a new kind of Ghostbusters story that's intended to continue the lineage of the originals while approaching it from a very different angle. Uh, I watched this myself yesterday. Um, uh, Karen and I could not break away to get to the theater together. The last several weeks have been a nightmare uh, around these parts. But uh, yesterday I had caught up enough on enough work that I went to the theater by myself uh, and I snuck in a brownie from Wawa. Oh, <laughs> nice. Where'd you hide it? I just in my coat pocket. Oh. It's nice and cold. So like, you know, I got coat pockets now. It's super easy. Yeah. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, uh, I watched this movie. Uh, we went to the theater, of course, uh, in East Windsor. And I was trying to find the name of the theater. I think I've plugged them before. They're not paying me. I just, I really appreciate them. Uh, I think it's called Picture Show at Town Center, maybe. That's the only one coming up on my phone. The, uh, they do $5 Tuesdays. So we go on $5 Tuesdays. I freaking love it. $5. We got a movie ticket. End up paying double that for like coffee or coffee, soda and uh, popcorn. Uh, but then they also have dollar hot dogs. So $5 movie ticket. Jacqueline won't eat a hot dog, but I eat two hot dogs. And uh, she had like a $9 bucket of popcorn. Good God. <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't really know. I mean, I'm, no, nah, it was probably, it was expensive. I don't know. But again, hot dogs and uh, tickets were cheap. So whatever. All right. I remember when all movies were five dollars. <laughs> Beverage Farm remembers. I mean, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious too. Like, I, I remember 
it being a great deal cheaper when we were in high school. And then I remember like when I went to college, I would search out the $5 places. And then if you couldn't, that was sort of at the beginning of when you were able to pay at a little kiosk, like with a credit card when you came in. And I would Mm. like, uh, I would uh, go to places and be like, you know, try to get the like senior discount or something like that. And then if the credit card thing was broken, they'd be like, you don't look like a senior. And I'd be like, well, I am. <laughs> I mean, I remember Got for a while, I, I just, uh, yeah, for a while, I just tried to pay $5 and then it got, then it got to be, you couldn't do that anymore. You couldn't work the angles. Um, yeah, I also saw it in the movie theater. Uh, I think we all did. I think that's where you have to see this movie right now. Um, Indeed. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I, I think I was hoping I would get there sooner than I did. Um, we watched Ghostbusters one and two the, the weekend before, um, I Mm. wanted to, I wanted to go with Nate to this movie. Like I, I thought it would be good for him. I thought we could see it together. And like, he does a whole thing. If it's like a, you know, part two or a part three and he hasn't seen the part one and two, like he'll let you know, like how I could, I couldn't possibly enjoy this movie without seeing the stuff that came before it. Um, so we watched Ghostbusters one and two, like on, like on a Friday and then the next one on the Saturday. And I was hoping we would go see it that Sunday and we didn't get to. So we went the, the following weekend. Um, yeah, I, you know, we got all the, all the junk, all the, uh, popcorn and the M&Ms and stuff like that. That's, that's kind of Nate's thing. When we go to the movie theater, we have to get popcorn and we have to get M&Ms and then what he'll do is he'll sit there between us with this gigantic thing of popcorn, like bigger than him and just stuff it in his face. And then if it's like during the, the previews and you reach over and you grab a handful of popcorn, he goes, save it for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was my experience. That's pretty wild for me seeing this movie without Karen because, um, like I, I don't have a huge connection to Ghostbusters. I hadn't, I had never seen it until like way later. And uh, you know, Karen is a huge Ghostbusters fan. Like she grew up with Ghostbusters. So like, the fact that I've seen this movie and she hasn't is kind of a weird experience for me. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> the end. I Story think you're over. the weird one here because I think me and Paul grew up. Like in the eighties, <laughs> apparently you didn't. I mean, we all grew up together. Somehow, I just completely missed Ghostbusters. Yeah, we like, we all grew up in the eighties. It's just yeah, Chris, the Chris did it under a rock or something. <laughs> watched the cartoon, had the toys, watched the movie. Uh, I didn't have the proton pack. I, I wasn't big into those types of toys. I, I like mm-hmm. the action figures. And I had the, the sold the firehouse. I got that. Hey, huh. hey, Sean. Yeah, speaking of the toys, neat. did you see uh-huh. any? Did you see any toys in this movie? <laughs> I, there was so many shots, and, and I didn't... I, I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like I'm attacking them. I'm really not. It doesn't bother me. There was several different ghost shots and a couple other shots with like the little truck thing or whatever. It's like, this is clearly you're just trying to make a toy. The ghost ones were over the top because it was like, you'd see a ghost come out of a place that clearly looked, there was some sort of eyeball guy ghost. And it was like, you did that so you could make the toy, which I'm fine but, with. 
you know? But no, what I'm telling you is that was a toy. I had that toy. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. That was one of the, the toys, yeah. and they put him in the movie because yes. he wasn't in the movies before. Really? Which is great. Yeah. That's awesome. But then I was that, like, when that I got That eyeball was... ghost in particular, I don't... So, like, when they did that sort of montage of the ghosts, you know, there right. was the Muncher ghosts. Like, well, hang on. Before I launch into this, let me just say to anybody that like might be new to our podcast, because maybe you, you could be a person just st- scrolling podcasts right now and say to yourself, Ooh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's cool. If anyone who's new has stuck with us through the pot roast conversation and the pizza conversation, like we should probably just say to everyone that we talk about every part of the movie, right? Like if you... If if we're talking about spoilers, like we talk about all the things, right? So I think we should just say that now because it's a it's a, a new movie that we're talking about. But um, yeah, to get back to the toy thing, you know, they did that series of of ghosts, um, you know, the sort of like montage of of ghosts coming out of places and stuff like that. The Muncher Ghost, I don't know, that might be a new thing just to be like Slimer, like their version of Slimer, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, there was kind of a like a gnarly old uh, uh, like a coal miner zombie guy, which in the other movies, there's always been sort of a undead zombie dude that, you know, appears someplace or the other. But then that eyeball thing came out of that place, followed by that like purple globby ghost. And that was 100% a toy that I had. It was like it was like a big purple mushy thing. And you pushed it down and the eyeball popped out of the middle of its head. Um, right. So I had that one. And then I'm pretty sure that the like the gunner seat in the Ecto-1 was a thing from the cartoon. There oh. was a... I think you're right. And I think there was a toy called like... I, so the toys mimicked the cartoon, if I remember correctly. And they there was like Ecto-1, but then there was like Ecto-2, Ecto-3, Ecto-4. And like one of them, like Ecto-2 might have been like a... A bicycle with wings that flew, and an Ecto three might have been like a, uh, I don't know. There was a couple different vehicles, and I think you're right. I think one of them had a gunner seat. It might have been the Ecto five or something. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I remember there being different vehicles with the toys, and they were uh, they were numbered like that. And I, I'm pretty sure the toys all showed up in the <clears throat> cartoons because the cartoons in the '80s were just thirty minute long commercials yeah, to sell the toys. Exactly. Um, it makes me happy that you had the ghost. I didn't realize that that was specifically attached to an old toy, which makes it a, a kind of a nod. I thought they were putting it in to give themselves a new toy to make, which, again, I'm fine with because I grew up in the 80s, and that's what everything was, was a toy commercial. Um, but it, uh, but then I it occurred to me, like, it, we're coming up on Christmas. I haven't seen... <coughs> excuse me. I haven't seen any toys... Uh, and I, <laughs> I go to toy stores sometimes. I haven't seen any toys for this movie. You're the only one of us without kids. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know what? That look. I, so again, my my brain's a little broken from the '80s. But the uh, my one of my favorite like holiday traditions is you go to the toy store and you buy toys to give to Toys for Tots because it's really, I mean, in large part, an excuse for me to walk through the toy aisle and buy a bunch of toys. And I'm like, hey, I can, like, I can, I can justify this. It's charity, but really, I, I just like wandering the toy aisles, you know, without looking creepy. It's like, oh, he's, he's got a purpose. 
um, but I didn't see any Ghostbusters toys. So, uh, and I, I already did that for the year. And I know the movie came out uh, just a few weeks ago. But like, if you're going to come out with a Ghostbusters movie in what November, if you're going to sell toys, they got to be on the shelves, you know, at the beginning of December. And I didn't see them, so it makes more sense that they were uh, just giving a nod to old toys as opposed to trying to push new ones. Although this was, I, I think, if I, I'm sure it was much more. Uh, child-oriented this movie than the first or the the third one, the the female cast one was. And even, I think this was probably a little more kid-friendly than the second one. So, like, this seems like an obvious one to push toys for. Well, it starred children. It starred children. Indeed. And uh, didn't have the adult humor of one and three. I feel like two would soften the corners a little from number one. I think they realized how many kids were... uh, uh, kids were interested in it. So I think two was a, a lot softer than one. There was still a little bit of uh, slightly adult humor, but they toned it down. Well, it doesn't I- look like there's a ton of toys. There's a lot of Ghostbusters stuff available right now, but not a lot of it seems to be based on Afterlife specifically. There's a lot of like the original Ghostbusters and then like a couple of figures of the kids I'm seeing, but. You know, a lot of things based on the uh, the the little mini Stay Puff dudes and stuff. But uh, I know we're supposed not like an to, action figure set. I know not, we're yeah, supposed to be talking about uh, the movie, but since you guys brought up toys, um, or maybe I indirectly brought up toys, but now I'm going to keep talking about toys. Uh, the, like, do you think this is a thing that's specific to our generation that we like that we still want to connect with toys from our childhood well uh i mean look around you sean (laughs) yeah i mean it's clearly happening here if you look back so i mean it's it's tough because you got to kind of look through time but uh if you look at my dad's generation my dad has a whole bat cave with a bunch of batman action figures although fun note my dad never really intended to buy any Batman toys. Those were all given to him. He liked the comic books. Yeah. <laughs> he collected Batman comic books and people just started giving him Batman toys. So then now he's got a whole room full of Batman toys. But uh, even in my dad's generation, I think he's the exception. You don't see a lot of people his age with a room full of toys. Not that it's super rare. I mean, you got people who like train sets or people who like whatever. Our generation is big into it, and when I look at the next generation coming up behind us, like, uh, I don't think they play with the kind of toys that we did. Well, like, I bought Zach lots of action figures, but I don't even know that he was ever really that big into them. Like, he played with Legos, and he played with, I know I know John, Chris's son, plays with cars. He's really into Legos now, too. And he's into like, Legos now? A lot. See, that's the thing. I think that's the thing that I noticed and that I started to... I started to wrap my head around and maybe get a little down about, right? Because like I like I did all I did a lot of my Christmas shopping like over the last couple of months. Like I started racking up Amazon points over the summer and like every month I'd just buy a thing and I'd be like, That's like check one off for Christmas, right? Um but I got Nate these um I think they're called Mashems or something. They're Marvel uh, they're Marvel superhero action figures, but like you can take their heads off and their arms off and their legs off and stuff, and you can like swap their heads around and like build your own, 
you know, like build your own dude with like Iron Man's head and like Hulk's arms and like all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was cool because he he plays with Legos, but he doesn't really build stuff out of them. He just likes to take the minifigures and like swap all their heads around. So I was like, this is perfect <laughs> for you, right? Um, but uh, uh, I'm realizing I'm like I don't really think he plays with action figures. Like I think he's I think I got it because I thought it was cool. Not because, I, you know, I think he's really into those. Um, and then I started thinking about, like, is this something that's specific to our generation or not? And I, I feel like you guys are, I don't know if you're the right people or the wrong people to talk to about, like, our parents' generation. Because you guys have cool dads. Like, like my dad would be like, Hey Paul, I went to this yard sale and I found this book about chemistry. Uh, you might want to read it. Um, some of the things might seem a little dated, but really these ideas haven't changed since 1973 when the book was made. So you know, here you go. That's for you. But like you guys, like you know, Chris's dad, I would walk in and like I'd be like, "Is Chris here?" And he'd be like, "Nope." But I'm watching a movie about an alien that turns people inside out. Do you want to join me? And I'd be like, <laughs> "Sure thing." And then you'd go to Sean's house and you'd be like, "Sean, where's your dad?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, he's gonna be in his bat cave, chain smoking and watching uh, uh episodes of the X Files from two years ago." If you uh, need anything out of him, so I don't know. Well, it's an interesting thing that you bring up. Um, I think the very nature of toys changed a lot when uh, we were kids. So the generation that's like ever so slightly ahead of us, like the ones that were uh, that grew up in like the 70s and stuff with the Star Wars toys, was kind of the beginning of this like real toy craze where you look at the generation that's that's truly above us. Like you look at our, our parents people when they get to a certain age they they tend to like to go back and try to get the things that they couldn't get when they were kids but the stuff in that generation was like you couldn't get every comic right like most kids didn't have every comic so that's why there's a lot of that older generation who are like the nerdy type folks like we are are into comic book collecting way more than younger generations have been into the actual collection of the books themselves because the books themselves have a different level of reverence like um, right now I, I can speak to it from a, a video game generation point where, um, the generation that's like a little bit older than me was going through, uh, Atari collecting for a little while there. Um, but never anything like so incredibly serious because, you know, Atari had kind of like a lot of a, it was super, super common, but the generation, my, my generation grew up on Nintendo. So everything Nintendo went just just skyrocketed in price over the last like say 10 years or so and then that started to wane and then anything super nintendo skyrocketed in price now you're looking at a huge influx in prices on like nintendo 64 stuff and it's because the people that grew up with those things or grew up around those things you know are getting out there into the world they have their own money to spend so they're buying all the stuff that they couldn't get back when they were kids um so i think that cycle tends to happen uh, when people reach a certain age and our generation was the one that was bombarded probably the most with insane toys. I mean, we had toy commercials everywhere because we had TV in a way that the generation before us didn't have. We had cable channels and tons of them that were constantly bombarding us with commercials for kids toys and stuff. Like we weren't 
also getting mixed in with quite so many like Ovaltine ads and stuff like that. TV was such an intrinsically different animal back when our parents were kids. Um, I would literally watch a Ghostbusters cartoon that would be interrupted for commercial break for the Ghostbusters toy showing me what I just saw in the cartoon, followed by a commercial for the Ghostbusters cereal that was in the closet that I was going to, I was like, let me go take a break and get that. Exactly. It's different than, it's more intense than the, the, the sporadic oval team ad. Yeah. And yeah. even, even if they had little orphan Annie pushing it to you herself, it's not the, it's not on the same level. You'd sit so down you and you'd watch it and you'd chug back an ecto cooler and enjoy. <laughs> there it is in an ecto cooler. Right. Forgot about that one. So you look at the way things are working now with kids and my kids, um, they definitely want toys, but they want the toys that they see on YouTube like because they don't watch live television, so they don't come across too many live television commercials. And targeted ads on YouTube stuff isn't quite the same as the kind of stuff that we would run into because you'd watch a show and then you'd be forced to watch the commercials and not like, here's 15 seconds of an ad until you can press skip ads. Like You'd watch the commercial break, which is a couple of minutes at a time, whereas they're not getting exposed to as many commercials for specific toys. They're, but they are getting exposed to these things in a different way. So, like, right now, John is obsessed with Lego Mario. He loves these Lego Mario sets. He wants every Lego Mario set that there is. And he finds out about them by watching YouTube videos, where he just searches Lego Mario, and then it's, here's all the different sets, and here's all this crazy stuff that people have built with them, and boom, there you go. Or we'll go into, a to uh, like, the toy aisle in Target or something, and it'll be like, dinosaurs are super cool now. I want this dinosaur toy because it makes noise and stuff, but he's... It's because he's seeing it in stores. Now, what I'm learning this year from buying Christmas presents for other children in our lives, like we're finally going to do our big extended family Christmas for the first, since we didn't get to do it last year. And my other nieces and nephews that I'm buying for are like, well, they just want like Robux and stuff. They, they want the currency for the video games that they play online. Like they want some stuff for Fortnite uh, cash or whatever, however the, currency works in that stupid game but that that's kind of like the stuff that they're super into so who knows what they're going to want to go back and collect when they get older to get the things that they couldn't get when they were kids because so many of the goods that a lot of the children of this generation want are digital goods so it's mm -hmm. kind of an interesting thing to look at there but i do think that the way stuff was marketed to us when we were kids is super different from the generation before and after us so i think that's why we have such a connection to specific toy lines and and physical toys and stuff like that chris you'll uh you'll think this is funny um like some of what we did get nate was some switch games um and we get the the game cartridges so he just got he just got some mario rabbits thing um and he like I think he just started noticing that like some of the games are actually on the Switch downloaded and some are the cartridges. And, you know, he like you saw how interested he is in media in like CDs and tapes and stuff like that. So he starts asking about game cartridges and like, where do you get them and how come some are like this and some are like that? But he can't say the thing. So he calls them game cartilages. <laughs> so I, I think that's pretty hilarious. Yeah, that's that's been a uh, that's been a point of contention in this house recently. Where we, um, the new Big Brain Academy game came out, and we all downloaded the demo, and the four of us were able to play it together, which is pretty wild. When you get a game that you can play 
like and have actual meaningful competition between a five-year-old and eight-year-old and then like two 40-year-olds uh but the game works really well like that but the demo was digital and since i'm a lunatic i had to get it physically but i forgot to buy it on friday and the kids were upset on friday night like can't we just download it, load it? And I'm like, no, I want to have the cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> so we waited till the next day, and I went out and buy it, bought it. But I like physical stuff. But what can I say? So Ghostbusters. Oh huh? yeah, Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a. Uh, I think we mentioned it a little bit that the the tone of this movie was overall pretty different from the original two. Uh, I don't necessarily think in a bad way, though. Like, I, I liked what you guys were saying about it being more uh, geared towards kids. But, like, it was the same level of scary as the original movies. You know, like, there were some jump scares and some, you know, freaky-looking ghosts and stuff like that. But at the same time, it was told from a much younger perspective. Um, and at the same time, fitting directly in with the uh, continuity of the original two movies. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I I had a good time watching it. I thought the beginning of it was a bit slow. But. Yeah, um, I, I I mean, I liked it overall. Uh, I think I think some of what I have to say comes back a little bit to what you're saying about the tone, Chris. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, I think I liked it. I think there was a, a lot of stuff that was was positive about it. I think some of my fears about it, because I, I was actually a little worried going into this movie, but I think some of my fears about it um, were dispelled rather quickly because I think some of the things that I was worried about ultimately worked. Um, you know, wh- one of the things I was a little worried about was like you see the trailers and it, it like it's in this Midwestern town this small town and it's sort of bright and sunny and there's, you know, people driving through cornfields and down main street and stuff like that. And I was like, this doesn't seem like it feels like ghostbusters, you know, but they, they sort of gave a plausible reason why it was all going to happen there. If you didn't think too hard about it. Um, and, uh, and you know, and yeah, it, it like it tied in really well to the first, I'm going to say the first movie. Um, they they really they really doubled down on the first movie. I could have could have used a little more inclusion of of stuff from the second movie. I mean, like maybe I'm just a sucker for Vigo, but um, but uh, <laughs> I could you know I, I could have gotta used, save something for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the sequel's a return to Vigo, like count me in. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I I think I was I think I was pleasantly surprised overall, but. The, like, I think what I, what I found was, you know, this movie did the, you know, the scary thing that the first movies had really well. It did the, it did the, um, uh, you know, it did the sort of adventure thing really well, right? The, like, um, the action stuff, the, uh. You know the the ghost stuff, the creepy stuff, the um, the overall like weird story stuff, right? Like it it did all that stuff really well, but what it didn't really have um, was kind of the like quippy, uh, you know, like like 
comedians all like doing improv, riffing on stuff, making up crazy mm-hmm. things, that kind of like fast paced, um, um, you know, like quippy back and forth of the of the comedy cast, um, which the 2016 female Ghostbusters movie really had, but it kind of didn't have any of the other tonal stuff that this movie had. Um, and, and honestly, I have to quit this podcast. (laughs) What? I have to quit this podcast. It's over. I gotta go. The, uh, (laughs) that was everything I had to say. You just like I, I try to come in here without like I, without thinking things through too much and just you know I don't you know I don't like write notes oh, or anything. I thought you were I thought you were going to say that you like disagree with me wholeheartedly. I thought you were going to be like no. this is garbage, Paul. I'm leaving. I'm literally I have nothing to bring to the table. But the, the one thing that kept floating through my mind, and I already said it to Jacqueline, was that the the one thing I I really loved this movie. I thought it was great. I felt like the one thing that it really lacked that it kind of got wrong was the the fast-paced comedy of the first and second one, to some extent, wasn't there. And that's like the only thing that 2016 got right. They missed everything else. I, I think the big thing that 2016 got wrong, and again, I didn't hate that movie the way most people did, but the big thing they got wrong was it didn't have the heart that the first two had. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely nailed the heart. Oh, and you're yeah. right, it nailed the tone, it nailed the action, it nailed the ghosts, it nailed everything else... Except that fast-paced, uh, you know, the the one-liners just click, click, click. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. If you didn't think that one was funny, it doesn't matter because here's another one. And you missed this one because we went too fast, and you'll catch it on your rewatch. 2016 one, even though all their jokes weren't stellar, I'm not saying they were as good as the first one at doing that. Uh, but they had that pacing down because you had four, you know, you could say Saturday Night Live you know, veterans or whatever. I think they were on Saturday Night Live. I don't really know, but the... Many of them you know, were. You had, right, you had four veteran comedians who were able to hit that bam, 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 joke, joke, joke. And even if it wasn't a line to, to make the joke with their eyes, to make the joke with their body, you know? So that was the one thing that... And I know this is what you said. This is what I had to say. That's the one thing that 2016 knocked out of the park, in my opinion, is they nailed that pacing... And it's the only thing this movie missed. But uh, it, it kind of th- had it at the end when they showed the guy showed up. Well, yeah, yeah but I, 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 that's think, the thing. I think I what I've learned from that, right, is that is that it's cool to expand the world of Ghostbusters with this thing, these things. And like the 2016 one got some things right, and this movie got some things right. But ultimately, all of those things are derived from 1984's Ghostbusters, which. Uh, you know, which like was lightning in a bottle, which broke the mold, which was incredible. So it, if you ever do get that recipe right again, like congratulations, you've just redone Ghostbusters one. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like nothing. It we we want it to be that because it bears the name Ghostbusters, but ultimately nothing will really be Ghostbusters one again. Yeah, I don't think that they. I I don't think that miss is the right word because I don't. I think it's pretty obvious they weren't going for that. Like there was, it, it seemed like a very intentional design choice that they wanted to change the tone of this movie because the quippy nature of it was what made Ghostbusters not a kids movie. And I think that what they've learned or what 
know, anybody in, in charge of this property has learned over the years is that there's there, kids love the concept of Ghostbusters and like older folks like the uh, there are certain older folks that like the mythology, like the comic has been going strong for ages now. And it's all this like thick mythology and lore, but also kind of like peppered in with a lot of the um, the quippy nature based on the characters as they were in the original movies. So I think that it was a pretty intentional design choice to make this movie not that, you know, that quippy. And I think you can really see that that's the case by like when, when Sean mentioned, like when the original three show up at the end, like they don't miss a step. Like Bill Murray in particular is just, he's quip after quip. He's constant. He's being exactly who he was in the original movie. Like, like, which was hysterical and it was it was a pretty wild tonal shift to see uh them show up and be exactly like themselves just like really hammering home the difference between the old like the old guard and the new guard like it really does seem like what they're trying to do is build a new version of ghostbusters to go forward with that kind of focuses on um these these kids and still pay homage to the original but it it can't it can't work that same way like you, you i feel like that kind of humor just wouldn't work with these kids you know or with kids in general like that kind of you know seasoned veteran comedian comedy just wouldn't quite fit uh but they also didn't go so hard with the um mythology stuff that it seemed like uh like the IDW comics or anything like that 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 kind of have pulled a lot of this like crazy mythology in and made it a little bit more serious so well you know, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the movie. And that's coming from somebody who's not a humongous Ghostbusters fan. I just I, I thought it was really fun. You know and, what's, uh, what's interesting about the thing that you say about the mythology? Um and I and it I say this because it's now all really fresh in my mind having just watched them all three. Well, you know, uh three of the the four that exist, but the the three that are well, sort 2016 of, is its own animal, yeah, right? right. That's, that's you, a different you can't really universe, say, right? yeah, it's um, it's a totally different continuity, right? But of the of the you know of the three, just having watched them, right? Um, I so uh, last time we recorded last month or whatever it was when we chose Ghostbusters, I started talking a little bit about Ghostbusters one, and I think I misspoke a little bit when I when I said when I talked about it. Because I, I said, you know, that I didn't think it was a perfect movie that, um, you know, that like it's it's got some flaws and, uh, you know, that's it's not like there's stuff that couldn't be improved upon. Having gone back and watched the first Ghostbusters, man, that is way more tightly constructed than I remember. Um, and some of the stuff that I was talking about, like about you know, Ernie Hudson's role being like underwritten. I think watching them again, really that's a criticism of the second movie. Like the first one is pretty tight and, you know, and like, yeah, like his role got reduced. He even has said that, that like when he read the, when he read the script, the part was initially bigger because it was intended for Eddie Murphy. And then, you know, he, when he got it, they sort of had written him down a little bit, but he also wasn't as big a star as the rest of them. Um, but like, you know, like 
coming in to the the franchise at the at the moment where he did and the way that that character plays out and I think Sean even said like he has a lot of the he has a lot of great lines in that movie like that movie is is really well thought out and really well constructed and like the mythology that you're talking about like I think I didn't I think I didn't like I think I missed a lot of that as a kid because it moves so fast but it it's all it's all story driven um and it and it's it's like fast and funny like I, like it's it's part of this like amazing back and forth that these ghostbusters have where they're like talking this goofy science speak and they're like you know uh you know gozer and vince clortho and uh uh what's his name shandor and you know they reference the tobin spirit guide and they say like all this crazy stuff and they'll they'll explain away like why this thing's happening and exactly what's going on and like throw like 10 jokes in there that will probably go over your head if you're a kid you know but even if you miss that stuff as a kid it doesn't mar your enjoyment of the movie you're like oh yeah there's some like evil dogs in her apartment and they got to you know they got to get rid of them like that's clearly the story right so um <laughs> so like the first one is 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 like really well constructed the second one um like they kind of just they kind of just like redo the first movie like you know like it, it's got a lot of the same it's got a lot of the same story beats including like a big Godzilla type thing that walks through New York at the end of it which is like one of the things that this movie didn't have had a lot of the other things of those movies didn't have that, um, you know, but like the stuff with, uh, Winston, um, in the second movie, like they've, they've dissolved the ghostbusters when it starts. So when they're investigating all this stuff, they're all scientists and he's not, you know, and like, like, I think that was one of the reasons that, like, the role was, like, underwritten in that movie and it felt, like, shoehorned in. Um, but, uh, but, like, yeah, like, some, like, all the, all the mythology stuff, I was, like, I was really, I was really shocked at how well constructed it is in the first movie and then how it paid off in this movie. Like, how they managed to take these weird, stupid references from that first movie and, like, craft a plausible reason that it was in this weird little midwestern town yeah no i uh, i agree with you entirely again i don't think i need to be on this podcast anymore the uh <laughs> they the when we said earlier that they nailed the heart and they nailed the the look and the feel i think they did just as good a job tying in the story especially from the first one more so than the second one um but they they tied it right in and they made it tight. It made perfect sense why, you know, why Egon did what Egon did and why these other people mattered now, and it it all fit really nicely. Uh, what what did you guys think of the use of like Harold Ramis and Harold Ramis's image in this movie? I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna kind of dislike it, um, but I didn't. I thought it was really effective. I liked that they didn't have him talk at all because I think that would have been a bridge too far. Um, I mean, because he was an apparition, it, you know, the, the whole deep fake thing 
works so much better because like you have the extra added layer of effects on top of him uh so you can't really tell that it was fake i thought it was a very um convincing effect and i thought it was really effective like i mean i i i, I got a little choked up it was, it was a very emotional uh scene and i thought it was uh i thought i thought it was super effective i i i was i was yeah. totally okay with it i agree uh, again again i'm not needed here i agree entirely <laughs> uh i thought it was super effective uh i got a little choked up and i'm not i'm not a i'm not like the toughest guy in the world or anything but it's it's pretty rare that a movie gets me choked up at all uh the last one i can remember is that opening scene in up which is just that's brutal i mean just <laughs> why would you show this to a child yeah uh <laughs> That one's rough, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is the first time I remember getting choked up at a movie since seeing Up, you know, when that came out in theaters, so it's been a while, but the, yeah, that stabbed a little. Uh, I agree with what you said about the, the him not talking, and I think from my a little bit of understanding I have about uh, how this movie originally came to be and how they tried to make a third one in like what, the late 90s, early 2000s, something about the Ghostbusters going to hell. Uh from my understanding, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis are like the, they're, I know Bill Murray's the star and he, he, and rightfully so. I mean, he gave that first movie a lot of the, the, excuse me, the humor that it had. Um, but it's my understanding that really Harold Ramos and Dan Aykroyd worked together on yeah, they this wrote it. franchise, right? The, the original, the second, they, they did a whole third one that almost got off the ground and then didn't. Um, and then I think the two of them worked so closely together for so long that if I think if Dan Aykroyd's signing off on it and feels that uh, Ramos would be comfortable with what's going on here, then I, I think he's probably right as far as someone speaking for Ramos on this topic. Um, my guess is uh, it's on the up and up. That's uh, it's so interesting that you uh, you bring up the the third installment you know treatment that was never written. Or you know that was never produced the one that they the two of them worked on, um, so like so all right so I think what I was gonna say is um, I was I was kind of blown away by um, how they did how they used him in this movie or how they used his image in this movie. Uh, I thought the opening was amazing. Um, I, I think that was one of the best parts of it um, uh, because like when it started. I immediately was like, that's Harold Ramis. Like that's Egon, right? Like he's yeah. like running through that cornfield. He's, um, you know, he's the, got the trap in his hand. And I was like, like just the shape of him and the, the mannerisms, um, you know, like the, and I thought it was cool that they didn't show his face, but like that I 100% was like, Oh, that's him. Like that's kind of the, the look and feel of him that we even know from his, you know, movies he he did in the last couple of years before he died. You know, like um, like when he was uh, what a uh, Seth Rogen's dad in um, Knocked Up. You know, or or stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Like he sort of always had this like, um, this sort of big presence, jovial mannerisms, and like you could sort of, you know, you could see that that stand-in person was him. And I thought it was cool that they didn't show his face. Um, but at the same time, I didn't think it was weird, right? Like. Like, it, it sort of could go with the aesthetic of the movie and, like, the sort of, like, creepy feel that you had in the opening, you know? And then I thought it was cool that they kind of used his ghost, 
um, and like used the PKE meter to show when he was around. I think at sometimes it was a little much. Like it was a little weird that nobody questioned it. Like that, like nobody freaked out that like chess pieces were moving or things like that. Um, or like when they, when he was like moving the lamp around and stuff, I was like, I was like, you could have pulled back on this. And I think it, it might've been a little better. Um, but then, um, yeah, when they, when his ghost sort of appeared at the end and helped and they used his image. And I think just what you were saying, Chris, like the fact that the ghost didn't talk, which is, which is in line with what we've seen in other Ghostbusters movies. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, yeah, this, like this really sells it for me. And it feels like a, like a nice goodbye for him. Um, And it, 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 yeah, like it really did feel like the heart of the movie. Um, But I think the thing that's funny about it is this third installment that they, that they worked on that never got made. Um, So I don't know if this is, like hearsay or if this is like a real like a real story like it's all kind of rumors that you've just heard on the internet or things like that but like the the story famously is that Bill uh, that that Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis wrote a third movie and they needed to get Bill Murray to sign off on it and they wrote a script he didn't like it he told them he didn't like it and he said he wouldn't do a third Ghostbusters movie unless in the movie they killed him off and he was a ghost in the movie. And then so they wrote a third one. You know, they rewrote the script. They sent it to him. And the story is that he got the script. He read it. He shredded it and mailed it back to them. Um, and then they were like, well, you know, I guess we're like, I guess we're not doing this. Um, but like. Apparently, there was always a version that existed of this where one of them was a ghost because Bill Murray apparently wanted to be turned into a ghost in the third movie. I just think that the fact that Harold Ramis was the ghost, you know, I mean, like, I I don't wish death on any of the Ghostbusters. I wish they were all still with us. But, like, (laughs) the fact that he is actually dead and that they ended up making him a ghost for this movie, like, like... That that character, Egon, was the one, you know, that felt like it gave it the emotional center. Like, I don't know that it would have quite had that center if it was a different Ghostbuster that was, you know, that was the the one helping them from beyond the grave. Yeah, this would have been a very different movie if it wasn't Egon that died. But also, like, I, I really, really want to mention how impressed I was with the girl who played his uh, granddaughter. Oh my god, yeah. I thought she was just fantastic. And and this was her movie, which is like kind of nuts going into it cuz I didn't really expect it to be because like the kid from Stranger Things and Paul Rudd are like the names attached to this movie. They're they're what this movie's like really been marketed around. What is that Stranger um, kid th- that Stranger Things kid going to do when we run out of 80s nostalgia? He's not going to have a career enough. <laughs> he's going to have to find something else to do. I mean, he's great at this, and I, I I enjoyed him just fine in the movie. I just I, I expected there to be more of him because of the way this whole thing's been marketed. But no, this was really um, her story, and she was she was great. I loved the way that she explained herself to that podcast kid, where she was just like, "No, I just don't. 
I don't, it, what is it? I don't show emotions the way most kids do or something like that. Um, which I thought was really like a neat way of showing that this generation is more in touch with that kind of stuff than Egon's generation was because clearly she had the same, you know, type of, uh, uh, mental processing as Egon did, you know, because he was that he was the same kind of way, but she has a complete grasp of, you know, how her mind works and she was able to express that. And the, you know, that podcast kid was just like, cool. And then they moved on with it. I, I, I thought that was all like really, really well done and uh, just, just really nice. And I liked how this really did seem like a great way of making this a more attractive movie to, um, yeah, you know, not like kid kids, but like, I don't know, it's like a cross between Goonies and Ghostbusters, you know, like it's kind of, it's kind of too scary for like little kids, but like, you know, young adults that not even younger than that, like, you know, 10 or 11 year olds or whatever. This is just aimed so squarely at kids of that age. Well, yeah. Um, and those, those sort of like tween targeted movies of the eighties were a lot of like kids on bikes doing stuff um yeah which this was felt like yeah and it was it was it was really cool it made me you know kind of excited to show this to uh my kids when they're when they're a little bit older because you know i think it would freak the heck out of them right now <laughs> but uh um I, I i thought this was a really really interesting attempt at making the ghostbusters brand into something different at the same time maintaining this continuity with the original movies and like when they showed up at the end acting exactly like they acted in the original movies and stuff, like I'm kind of losing my, my train of thought. Cause I was just reminded again of like Han Solo in uh, force awakens where he's just like, you know, it's true all of it. And it's like, you're seeing this new generation experience, experience um, similar, the same mythology, but from a totally different perspective that I think is more long-term tenable for uh, younger people to be into than like kids watching these movies, watching the original movies and not getting half the jokes until they grow up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just don't think I have enough good things to say about it. Like other than I think the beginning of it was, did, did feel a bit slow, not the very beginning that, you know, intro sequence I, I thought was great. And then it kind of slowed down a little bit too much too long, but yeah, once things got going, I, I, I found my I just couldn't stop smiling well, for through so many things. Like when like the, the freaking chair came the, the the side chair came out of the side of the Ecto one was like Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm in. Well, sure. The Love thing it. the thing that you were saying about the beginning being slow, I mean they 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 sort of did the opening of the movie and then they had a lot of exposition that was about connecting the dots so that you understood why these kids, like why these kids were going to be the, the quote unquote next ghostbusters. Right. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like connecting the dots between the OG ghostbusters and these kids and like what kind of crap they had to wrap their head around. So they weren't freaked out by ghosts and they knew how to use proton packs and stuff like that. And then, mm -hmm. Once they did that, then most of the story beats were kind of the same as Ghostbusters. Like, like the the chase of the Muncher ghost through the town was basically them 
getting Slimer, Slimer. in the hotel. Then, yeah. then they go to jail. Um, you know, then there's all the Keymaster and go- Gatekeeper stuff that unfolds. Paul Rudd in the Walmart is basically uh, Louis Tully, Rick Moranis in Central Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then uh, and then you know the battle with Gozer is similar. Um, the only thing, like I said, the only thing it didn't have was a big giant thing. Had a lot of little marshmallows. Which also, <laughs> let me ask this. So, because Ray chose Stay Puff, the form of the Traveler, like, you know, like like 40 years ago, did, like, Gozer remember that and, like, think that that was an imposing thing and that's why there was all these little Stay Puffs? Like, why were there little Stay Puffs? Yeah, I didn't really understand that either. Because I, it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. I, 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 you know, it didn't bother me in the least. I was just like... Okay, but if I'm really trying to figure out why this is here, eh, it doesn't matter. Paul Rudd's a treasure. <laughs> he is a treasure. So two things I'm going to throw in here. One, the, the Stay Puffs. One, they were uh, phenomenal. Uh, at first, they were accidentally hurting each other, but then they were intentionally like yeah. murdering each other, which was really both adorable and horrifying at the same time, and I loved it. And even the ones getting murdered seemed happy about it. Yeah, They're it was like, almost yeah, like a meek. This is a good time. Uh, and then you mentioned Paul Rudd. Uh, look, I, I'm not a. Uh, I, I don't know how to make a movie, right? So this movie was great, and we're nit like we're nitpicking a little bit, or at least I am, because I loved it. Can't stress that enough. I loved it. the. Uh, we said earlier the girl one from 2016 had better tempo on jokes. And I know you said they weren't trying to do that. I feel like Paul Rudd almost filled that gap. He's got mm-hmm. great comedy chops. He's he's funny even when it's not his joke. Um, And I feel like if they... Again, it, it probably would have felt shoehorned, and I don't know how you would have done it effectively. You needed one more... One or two more Paul Rudds to fill that slower part in the beginning with more of those fast-paced jokes. I, I, again, probably Saturday Night Live alum. But yeah, Paul Rudd almost filled that gap. If there had been either more Paul Rudd or another you know, another person like Paul Rudd in some of those scenes, kind of flesh it out. Him walking through Walmart, even that, and Walmart or whatever, wherever he was, like just the scene leading up to that, if, you, if he had had a, a partner with him, again, you would have had to shoehorn it in story-wise, but if there was someone with him, one or two back and forths would have kind of picked up that pace a little bit uh, leading up to, you know, the, the marshmallow murders. What you're saying is uh, there's always room for more Paul Rudd. I am. Mm-hmm. I am saying that. That is definitely, I am wholeheartedly on that sentiment. 100%. I will always take more Paul Rudd. He's phenomenal. <laughs> in, in, what was it? Wet Hot American Summer? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> if you don't know that he's funny, go watch that. God's sakes. When they, the just, bit where he's just like, uh, <laughs> when they tell him to clean up his tray and he's like kicking it all over the floor. Is that what you're talking about? I think about that <laughs> every single time I ask my kids to do anything. <laughs> oh. in, in a movie full of funny people, he 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 manages to steal the spotlight at times. Well, yeah. didn't it seem too like sometimes Paul Rudd was moving and walking just like Rick Moranis, like that he must have studied like how he moved and then thought about like 
well, was this Lewis Tully or was this the, the demon dog? You know, like there was, there was times when he was moving around and I was like, that is uncanny and creepy. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I, I would assume that he did. I assume that he sat and watched it cause he nailed it. Once he got taken over it, it, it felt the same. Yeah. I kind of missed all that, but then again, I'm, you know, I haven't, I'm not as ghostbuster fluent as the, the two of you are. So I'm going to take a hard left. You ready? I'll throw one more thing I noticed about the movie. One, I, I felt they did a great job with the music. Uh, I, I know mm-hmm. they stole a lot from the original, but that was good. They tied it all in. It made it, it uh, cohesive. Uh, they did it so much that it, I, my brain just wanted to keep connecting the movies. And so when they got to that scene where it was the ghost montage, I just wanted that Do You Believe in Magic song to come on from the <laughs> 80s that they did in the, the ghost montage in the first one. And when it didn't happen, I was a little sad. I don't remember what song <laughs> did come on, but when it wasn't, you believe in magic, magic, I was like, no, this is wrong. I don't know what they played, but it was, <laughs> my brain wouldn't accept. Yeah, I, did, uh, I, thought, I thought the music cues were pretty great. I liked, um, I really did like all the kids. Like uh, the, the, I expected. Po- podcast was great. Yeah, podcast was pretty fun. I, I, I liked the, I even liked the, the the folks at the restaurant, which I thought at first I really didn't think that was going to go okay for me, um, but then they turned out to not just be typical movie jerks, and like they they came around to the kid like in no time, and then they uh, just like a, a relatively reasonable work environment where you have a bunch of kids working in a, a restaurant together, and I, I thought that was all very very believable, and it was super fun. I I'm, I don't know what else to say about it other than oh it was super fun the effects were great I liked the effects a lot hang on I have a question about the kids okay all right so so uh podcast was obviously supposed to be the next Ray right like podcast had Ray's goggles uh, apparently Ray listens to podcasts podcast um so like that was pretty clear Phoebe was clearly. Egon, she's Egon's uh-huh. granddaughter. She she looked and and like she she nailed his energy. Like she uh she wasn't doing an impression of him, but she like really nailed his um his his vibe. Yeah. Then who were the other two supposed to be? Like who was who was supposed to be Winston and The brother was Winston. The brother was Winston because he was cuz he was fixing the car. Well, uh, so Winston in the first one is the only one who doesn't have a science background. He's not really bringing any technical support. He's bringing a uh, a man on the street perception of what's going on. He's he's the uh, he's the everyman in the crew, right? He's right. the one who doesn't get the science. Doesn't you know? He's 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 hanging in there. I mean, he's he's a good guy who do, who doesn't like Winston, but he. You know, he's not on the same uh, technical or uh, intellectual level as the other. He's supposed to be more relatable. And I think the brother who failed his driver's test, who, uh, okay, he he managed to get the car running. That's not, you know, uh, over the top or anything. Uh, He doesn't have the science background. He's not all techie. Uh, even podcast is figuring out how the things work in the background or whatever in the back of the car when they're doing that one scene. Uh-huh. So he's the everyman. He's the you know I can relate to him. Uh, uh, nothing 
There's nothing special about him. He's the everyman. He's your he's your guy on the inside. So I think that's Winston. Uh, I don't. There was there was nobody to take over Bill Murray's well, role, right? So, I mean, so then the other, so the the love interest for Stranger Things, the the uh, the the girl oh. who works at the diner, that would make her the Venkman, and I think I just wanted her to have some more zingers. I mean, she had some zingers. She was like kind of a kind of a smart ass. She liked to mess mm-hmm. with him, whatever. But like, you know, I think uh, if, I, if they're gonna. Yeah. If they're going to do a sequel and she's got and she's got the the brunt of that role, the Venkman position, they are going to have to write her a little bit. Uh, not that you're trying to exactly copy it, but if she's gonna if she's gonna hold that that feel, they're yeah. going to have to give her more. To yeah, work I with. didn't really piece. I definitely got the connection, the other two connections you were mentioned, but yeah, replacing the who was filling the Venkman role wasn't really clear to me. Um. But yeah, I guess it would it would technically be her. But the brother's not doing zingers. He's not going to be no. the. He's not. That's not him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. It probably was supposed to be her. Uh, and the, I think the writers need to. Ha- not that she did a bad job. She did fine. Uh, I think the writers need to do more for her if that's if that's who she is. Well, yeah. I mean, what it was is like you know she was. She was sassy. She was charming. Like she had a lot of good witty jokes. But like it's just the the Peter Venkman energy sets the bar so high that we as yeah. Ghostbusters followers go like, I wanted more. I wanted more jokes. It does, but she doesn't have to match Bill Murray. But when we think of teams, especially from the eighties, there's always that character. You know, you've got the person with the zingers in the Turtles, or in the Ghostbusters cartoon, or in the. Excuse me. You, you've got the you've got the uh, you've got the smart one, and you've got the one that's you know thrown out the smart ass comments. You know, uh, these are just uh, archetype roles that we expect in our nineteen eighties uh, squads. And I, I I think you're right. I think she is probably supposed to hold that role, and she had a couple. But I think the writers need to to help her out with more. Yeah, if that's going to keep going, they definitely need to step up that game. Although I'd be very interested to see where it goes from here. Like, where does the story really go from here? What were they showing in that post credit scene? Like, it looked like... Didn't he say that the original Firehouse was a Starbucks now at some point? Or, And then, like, it looked like Winston had bought the original Firehouse at the end. Oh. And they go down to the basement where Egon was keeping all the ghosts. And it looked like that thing was getting ready to pop. So, I gotta say this. I... I feel really dumb about this. I didn't know that there was an end end credit scene, right? Like I oh. I watched the mid credit scene and mainly because I knew that all of the OG cast was returning for this with the exception of Rick Moranis and I hadn't seen Sigourney Weaver yet. So I was like, there's going to be a credit scene with Sigourney Weaver. And there was, and it was funny. Um, but then after that, I got up and left. I didn't realize there was something at the end of the movie. Uh, I have since seen it on YouTube, um, which, you know, I kind of like it that they had a scene between Ernie Hudson and Annie Potts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they all like I think at that point, then all of the original Ghostbusters, with the exception of Sigourney Weaver, got two scenes in the movie, which was cool. Um, you know, I, I I always keep saying that I. Uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted Winston to get his due. So like, I kind of thought it was cool that like he, you know, he became a, uh, 
you know, a doctor or whatever it was and that he bought the firehouse and like all the things. Like I thought that was I thought that was great. Um but yeah, I didn't I didn't see that in the theater. And the other thing that's weird about it is that's the opposite of a Marvel end credit recipe, right? Like usually with Marvel, the mid credit scene is the one that sets up something for the next movie and the end credit scene is just like a joke. And in this one, the mid credit scene was like a joke with with Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. and the end credit scene was kind of a thing that could set something up because you saw you saw the 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 um, containment thing light up like there was ghosts in it or whatever. So um, so uh, yeah, I think the the way that the thing was tricked me into not thinking there was an end credit sequence. I uh, I didn't know that the whole... I, I try not to watch a lot of... I, I, more and more, I try not to watch uh, previews and, and stuff ahead of the movies because I feel like they just give you too much now. Uh, but the So I didn't know the whole cast was returning, and it made me really happy when Sigourney Weaver showed up in that scene. I love Sigourney Weaver, both her character in this movie and just, like, everything she does. I'm just, like, 100% behind that. The... Uh, she was great in Aliens, and she was great in Ghostbusters, and like so many movies I love, she's like she's there. Also, is know. she that being, made me real happy? Is she being well preserved in some sort of stasis pod? Like, is she does she live in some kind of thing that freezes her in time? Yeah, she didn't uh, either. She looked really bad when she was really young, or like because she looks the same, right? So I don't know exactly what happened, but it's been forty years. And she looked the same as she did in the first movie, right? Was there any noticeable I think it's difference? The proximity to Paul Rudd, to be perfectly honest with you, forty <laughs> years is a long time. It's my whole life. It's been my whole life, and she hasn't changed. Being near Paul Rudd keeps you young. Is that what you're implying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I, exactly I don't know about her, but maybe she was like seventeen when that first movie happened and looked terrible for seventeen. So now it's just balanced out. I don't know. I don't know. That mid credit scene uh, was especially funny for me because I, you know, watching the credits, and they say and Sigourney Weaver. I was like, who the hell was Sigourney Weaver in this movie? And then they showed the credit scene. There she is, like, oh, okay, all right, good for you. That was it was just funny. I liked it. Good movie. I was uh, I was very happy with it. I hope it's performing okay. It's difficult to tell, and you know, this current climate where not everybody wants to go see movies in theaters and on top of everyone not going to the theaters i feel like everything is just lost all meaning and i'm gonna you know don't want to get all political about it but go ahead and say fake news how is it that every movie that comes out is like 9.9 by all the theaters and it's broken box office records every movie can't break box office records if every movie's breaking box office records everyone's just lying like it's just not possible you just have to pay attention to which records they're breaking like they talked about how um uh what was it um uh, Shang-Chi had like the best weekend or whatever for that specific weekend which is typically a weekend where movies don't perform well at all so like they're they're saying like, like it, the best first weekend in November like, yeah like, things like that right, like right. they're talking about breaking very specific records that's how they're that's how you get away with that because you're saying like this was the best like movie that came out in this particular weekend that came out with this 
much time between it and the date that it actually released or something like there's all these qualifiers that make all those records technically Best legit. Thursday, November 3rd release of all time. Exactly. Like right. that, that, those are the little details you got to pay attention to when they make those claims. So like, I just stop. I oh, okay. I just assume everyone's full of it and just don't listen to any of it anymore. Or yeah, prob- it's, probably it's, a lot of what they're saying. Lie. Probably a lot of what they're saying is this movie did better than any movie last year. And that would be true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You Very just gotta, true statement. You got to look at it from the from the right lens, and they, they those those claims technically make sense, which is fun. I love uh, Shang Chi. By the way, uh, we didn't do a podcast on that one. I loved it. We didn't. It was great. I really. I just rewatched it the other day on Disney, and it's it's every bit. It, there was one there was one part towards like three quarters of the way through where they did the stereotypical like getting ready for battle montage where everyone's like learning to use their weapon or whatever and it, it just seemed a little bit I don't know I was like come on Disney you're more polished than this you don't you don't got to do this nonsense come on uh, but other than that and it was like two minutes other than that I thought it was that was phenomenal I rewatched it and I enjoyed it just as much if not more than the first time uh yeah, yeah Shang Chi was great. Was Eternals great. Yeah. was was pretty wild. Did you see yeah. Eternals? Yeah, it's great. I haven't that seen was it yet. Wild. Don't tell me anything. I, I haven't seen it yet. I had one or two nerdy complaints. Yeah, I, I have like no attachment to the original characters. That's my in only general. So it was like right. uh, I thought it was neat. It's certainly not my favorite Marvel movie, but I was interested no. the entire time. Did, did we not talk about this at all? Could we talk about know. this at all? Maybe. The, so. Kirby did the original one, and then, uh, what's his name, the Sandman guy, uh, Neil Gaiman did like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what you want to call it, not not a, he kind of did some retroactive continuity thing, a retcon thing, uh, in like the early 2000s maybe, I'm not like an expert or anything, but I read that and that was really good too, and the movie seemed to pull a lot from both of those, but then they changed a couple things, and I just don't. It just it broke my brain a little bit because I was like, why did you change that? And I couldn't figure out like, and maybe maybe there'll be a reason down the road. There was one or two things that they changed that seemed like we got to the end of the movie and I was like, but why did you change these one or two story pieces from Kirby's original thing when you didn't have to? It seemed unnecessary, mm-hmm. and it just it kind of. It hurt my brain a little bit. Other than those one or two nerdy complaints, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was a good time. And I'm also very much enjoying Hawkeye right now. Oh, Hawkeye yeah, is so I think good. Yeah, a week behind. Yeah, that's, a, that's super fun. I'm really Did- digging Hawkeye. Oh, my gosh. Uh, these, uh, these Disney shows have, like, they've really figured it out, man. Uh, so, first of all, of the, of the original... You know, of the uh, uh, Avengers that are in the original Avengers, you know, the original uh, part one movie, like... Like, Hawkeye and Black Widow were the only ones that didn't have any sort of content before uh, the last year or so. And I think if she got a movie and he got a TV show, he got the better deal, man. Like, that Hawkeye show is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys both caught up? Did you catch yesterday's episode? Yeah, I, I didn't it. see yesterday's episode. Was D'Onofrio in it? No. He was in the one before, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm it pretty has sure to too. have been him. It has There's to have been 100%. him, hundred percent. Right? There's yeah. no way that wasn't him. I took right. a, I took uh, a deep breath when I saw that, and Sherry was like, what? And I was like, oh, you'll see. <laughs> same thing happened to me. I was like, that's fucking... That, that, that's 
rewind it and then we watch it again she's like what I'm like that's D'Onofrio for sure uh no this one had uh uh Yelena from Black Widow in it oh okay came after him so that started coming to a head so nice nice the uh from reading the Daredevil comics I kind of know uh Echo's background so I assumed Kingpin was going to show up and when that happened I was like that's definitely Kingpin but I was like I think it's D'Onofrio. It sounds just like him. Which makes me happy. I, I like the idea, because, oh god, that Daredevil series, I mean, all the Netflix series, uh, I enjoyed them all. Even Iron Fist. Some people didn't like that. I enjoyed them all. It, uh, it's gotta the Daredevil be him. One, if it wasn't him, they would have just showed the character. It's gotta be him. It's gotta be, right? Yeah. The Daredevil one was so over-the-top good, and I know I'm way biased. That's my favorite character. That's the character I grew up with. That's, you know, that's my guy. But I just feel like that one was so, like, they were all good, but that one was above. That yeah, was... I, I agree. That was phenomenal. And the fact that you saw that they announced that when Daredevil comes to the MCU, Charlie Cox will play him. Did you see that? I didn't see that. I heard that Charlie Cox may very well be in Spider-Man. I've, I've, but I've I didn't heard hear that. Daredevil will be in Spider-Man. I heard Charlie Cox will be in yeah. Spider-Man. But even if he's in there as Matt Murdock, I'll take it. Well, Kevin Feige said, he flat out said, I think it was yesterday, the day before, when Daredevil comes to the MCU, Charlie Cox will play him. Like, Wonderful. So that's, that's that a done deal. Yeah, he's awesome. That, yeah. that show nailed it. I don't know who's responsible. I don't know if it's Faji or the people at Netflix or Charlie, but everything <laughs> nah. they did on that show was perfect. And like, you're not going to find a more diehard Daredevil fan than me. If I'm telling you, because you're always going to have mistakes in any of this stuff when you're reaching back, even with Ghostbusters. When you're reaching back 20, 30, 40, 50 years of continuity, there is no continuity. There is no perfection. Mm-hmm. You can you can get close, you can, you know, you can do your best to work in all the different things that have happened over the decades. Um so there's again, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. I could find things that are technically wrong. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They did as good as humanly possible to pull everything together well. Well, and if they can bring that into the MCU entitled, oh god, that makes me so happy. The degree that you are a Daredevil fan, my friend Evan is a Moon Knight fan. So he is you no know, pretty excited about this Moon Knight show. Kind of anxious, obviously, because you know, it's it, it's the first time anyone's attempting to adapt a Moon Knight to live action. It's a, it's a pretty wacky character, but that's the track record with all this Marvel stuff has been so spot all of on. The shows have been so great. It, the the worst, in my opinion, the worst one was uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier one, and it wasn't bad. It just felt like I needed a, hmm. I needed a little bit more built into it. It felt, um, I don't know. It wasn't bad at all. It, I think they ended the up difference between an I A think and they an ended a up retooling that one after they shot it. Is that what it was? There was something yeah. felt a little off about it. I think the, so. Uh, and again, that that show was an A, whereas like Wanda, WandaVision was an A plus, and this Hawkeye one thus far, what I've seen is an A plus. Loki and was an A plus. Loki was an A plus plus. That show yeah, was freaking Loki was great. Awesome. And I really enjoyed What If. The first episode I felt yeah, was what the slowest, cool. um, but I feel like they pulled it all together with those last two or three and made mm-hmm. what I felt while I was watching it felt like an A A minus. Those last two or three episodes pulled it all together and turned the whole experience into an A plus. So, that you know, I don't know that whole that whole universe is just 
Yeah, the MCU is pretty much like childhood dream come true. So yeah, that's been awesome. But you know, tangent aside, I think we should probably start wrapping this up. It's it's getting late. I've got I've got work in the morning. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts on Ghostbusters Afterlife before we close this out? I I had one that I didn't get to say. What you got, Paul? All right. Well, I'm I'm just gonna say it. Uh, so I think that um. The, like one of the things that I noticed about this one that um, you know that that sort of ties back to what I was saying about the original Ghostbusters is like it, again like this didn't end up bothering me but this was a thing that I thought was going to bother me um, because the f- like the first ones being set in New York City are so. Like, that is such a part of the story that I thought that this one being set in this small town was going to was gonna bother the crap out of me. Um, and, you know, again, like, I think it, I think it, uh, you know, I think it made it a whole new thing. I think it made it its own thing. And it's cool to, like, expand the world. And it's cool to, like, you know, come up with other stuff. But, like, the, the way that Ghostbusters 1 and 2 treat New York City, like... Really, I don't know. Like it, it's a thing that is so iconic to Ghostbusters to me, and a thing that I've like come to expect out of Ghostbusters. And I think it's because now I kind of like consider myself a city dweller. Like I know I'm in the suburbs now, but I lived in in Philadelphia for ten years, and I think like I will always consider myself a Philadelphian. Um, and like Philadelphia has that same energy, just like smaller and dirtier you know where uh where somebody's like oh yeah like like we like we mess with other philadelphians and it's like ah you suck and you this you that and then if somebody messes with us it's like fuck you you don't talk about philly that way like you're not allowed (laughs) to do that you're not from here and i think that's kind of how ghostbusters is with new york you know like like nobody steps on a church in my town you know like They'll sort of poke fun at it, but then it's like, oh no, like we come together and like we're New Yorkers and we, you know, we, we look out for each other, you know, um, Philly has it with, a with, with gritty. That was like the best example I could think of. Right. It was like the flyers unveiled gritty and like Philadelphia was collectively like, what, what is this? Like, he's like this (laughs) orange Muppet demon from hell. Like, what is this thing? Right. And like, we were all joking about it. And then like the rest of the country started joking about it and it was on like late night shows and stuff. And then all of a sudden Philly's like, Whoa, you can't talk that way about gritty. That's our <laughs> thing. Only we can make fun of gritty. You know? Like, so like, so I, you know, like I, Ghostbusters has that new New York thing where it's like, you know, uh, the, I think the only other movie that does it almost as well as Ghostbusters is the, um, is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, right? Like where it's like, uh, like everybody's, you know, they're New Yorkers. Everybody's at each other a little bit. And then it's like, Oh, you mess with Spider-Man. You mess with New York, you know? And it's like, everybody's you mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was the one thing like New York almost feels like the fifth ghostbuster in some ways. And that was like the one Mm -hmm. thing that was a little hard for me to, I think get past in some ways. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that sentiment. My one last comment actually has nothing to do with Ghostbusters, sort of. 
the uh, one of our very few faithful listeners uh, pointed out to me. <laughs> one of our three fans uh, pointed out to me, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna relay the message. She was like, "Why are you Why are you wasting G? You had a good pattern going. You did a new movie, and then you did the Alphabet movie, and now you're just blowing by G." And then I asked her, I was like, "Well, do you think we're missing a good G movie?" And she didn't have one. So I don't know why she doesn't want us to blow by G and waste it on Ghostbusters. She's like, that's the new movie. Now do a G movie. I don't know what she has against H or if she secretly hopes some G movie that she loves is going to get done. But she wouldn't tell me the G movie. I was like, did we miss something? Because if we hadn't done this, I think it would have been Giggly. Because Chris voted for Giggly. So I I, I think we would have been there. Holy. And that wasn't. Did any of you guys watch Giggly? No, no, did you? Oh my god, I watched it and it was just as awful as I thought it would be. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, it was so bad. Wait, I know I know everybody's tired and like uh we want to wrap this up, but like like you 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 have to see it. You don't even understand. It 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 truly is the worst movie. It really is a special kind of awful, right? Because because it's not it's not awful funny, right? Like it's not um it's not one of those movies that's so bad that you can't not watch it because it's it's uh, it's compelling you because it's so silly, right? Like it's not like a, you know, it's not like a um, a mystery science theater type movie, you know, like it's not like that. Um, and the acting, I'm not gonna say it's. Wait, wait. Actually, you know what? Let's pause. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm gonna watch Giggly, Chris. If you can watch Giggly, great. We'll do like a five minute recap a giggly next time and that'll make our one third of our viewers happy Whew, man it is <laughs> get ready oh my god i had to I, and if chris if you don't have time that's fine me and paul will discuss it for five minutes <laughs> i'll i'll do my best I, if you to, can't get to make it happen before the next uh, the next episode i actually yeah. watched it in two sittings like i <laughs> i i watched half of it and then i finished it um, not the next night, but maybe two nights later. So I started it one night, and then a day or two went by, and then I finished it, you know, uh, like two days later. And when I finished it, I felt like I'd been watching that movie for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, I will, ma- I will make it a point. I will get that watched. We will have at least a five-minute conversation next time about Giggly to not totally blow by G... I think is the way she worded it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. I wait in gleeful anticipation of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. All right, on to H. We got to pick an H movie. Yeah, all right. It's time for us to pick uh, to pick our H movie. Let's see. Um, we do that before I read the whole ending thing. So, okay, all right. Uh, how do we want to do this? Do we want to you know text each other to vote? See what happens. Oh well, we, what are we, we gotta re- do? We gotta reveal our picks first, and then and then we can text each other. Right? No, right, we right. vote first. <laughs> vote. <laughs> All right. Um, who's who's going first this time? I will go. It doesn't matter. The uh, so my movie is one that I did see. I know I've seen it, but it's been so long. I really can't even tell you. Like I could tell you the basic overview of the plot, but I don't think I've seen it since high school. Okay. So twenty five years because we're old. Uh, Heather's. Oh, oh, that's a good. That's a okay. good pick. Is it? I. I really. I. I remember enjoying it. I remember the basic plot. 
but it's been so long. It it could be a terrible movie or it could be a great movie. And well, I, well, it's time to revisit it. They've they've yeah. made a musical of it in the last ten years or so. Um, so it sort of got a, a a resurgence that way. But also, you're gonna watch it and you're gonna be like, wow, they could never make this movie now. Like this this movie would never be made this way today. That's like offensive. Oh yeah, it's I'm you know awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's that's my pick. What do you got, Chris? Uh, well, similarly, uh, it's a movie that I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen this movie since high school, and because it was recently announced that it is getting its long-awaited follow-up in the form of a limited TV series, I believe my vote is to watch History of the World Part One. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's a it's a good pick also. I've seen it more recently than high school, but it's probably been five, ten years since I've seen that one. It's a great movie. I feel like I must, I mean, I, I feel like I must have seen it at least once since high school, but the last time I remember seeing that movie was at Adam Gonzalez's house. So that was a long time ago. A long time ago. I can't picture another time that I've seen it since then. Okay. All right, Paul, what do you got? All right, uh, I'm going to give you three different avenues to go down. You tell me which <laughs> which one you would like me to go down. Uh, I want to um, take the money. <laughs> sold. Um, no, you got to the log on to the Bur- Borgata app to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so uh, here's, here's, um, here's, here's my three different avenues. Avenue one, uh, we could... Further explore the idea of the Pauly Shore cinematic universe. <laughs> okay. All right. All uh, right. <laughs> uh, Avenue two. Um, I could bring it full circle back to where we back to where we began when we we started doing this podcast. So I'll I'll do a callback and bring it full circle. Or uh, Avenue three. Um, I could we could uh, it could be a movie that uh, I saw one time and I liked. I think it's too early to go full circle. I think that's for like episode 50. So I'm going to vote episode for... Episode 50 might not be the letter H. It won't be. <laughs> if I know anything about math, it will not be the letter H. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for the, the, the third option. Chris... I think I will also vote for the third option. I don't think I'm quite ready. I don't think our listeners are quite ready for more of the Pauly Shore verse. <laughs> Plus, we should save those for the inevitable spinoff podcast. Actually, the anyway. one or two people I've talked to that listened to this were really, really excited about that concept <laughs> and really loved that episode that we did that had Pauly Shore and then wouldn't stop talking about Pauly Shore. Spinoff Just podcast. Pauly Shore Cinematic Universe spinoff. Um... Okay, the uh, the movie that I saw one time that I liked was called uh, The History of Future Folk. Um, so I saw it on Netflix one time. Uh, it's definitely a movie that's been made in the last 10 years or so. Um, it was it was fun. It was funny. I felt like it had heart. I don't really remi- uh, remember it a lot, but I remember liking it and being like, I should watch that again. And then I forgot the name of the movie. And then one day I was thinking about it, like I was thinking about a character from the movie, and then I was like, what was that movie called? And then I realized I didn't know the name of the movie. And then I was like, how do I find this movie again? Like, I'm pretty sure I can't just Google movie that I saw and I liked that time. Um, 
So then I felt like the movie was just lost to me forever. And then one day I was uh, I was scrolling around on the streaming stuff, um, and I found this movie called uh, Evil Alien Overlords that had Chris Parnell and um, who was it? It was Chris Parnell and uh, uh, oh, and Dietrich Bader. And they played these aliens that were supposed to, like, come and take over Earth, but they only had, like, two days to do it, and they, like, made a royal mess of it. Um, But it kind of reminded me of the other movie in that there was, like, people in spacesuits that were supposed to be, like, aliens. Um, And then I went to – I did that thing where you search on Netflix, like, search for that movie, and you find other movies like it. So I searched Evil Alien Overlords, and then I found the movie, which is called History of Future Folk. And I was like, that's the movie. And then I was like, and H is next. So that's my movie, History of Future Folk. Wow. By the way, if you do Google that movie that I saw and I liked that time, you get the movie called About Time. That's some sort of romantic comedy. It doesn't look great. Mm. Yeah. Thumbs down. Do, do, All right. Do you want to hear what the movie would have been if we took it full circle? Yes. Sure, sure. Highlander. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, our first episode was uh, Mortal Kombat, right? Oh! Yeah. Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Yeah, yeah you you go, put that right. We spent like a whole hour talking about Christopher Lambert. <laughs> he wasn't even in the movie we talked about that day. <laughs> All right, so we're... That check- also would have tied into the Flash Gordon one, because again, you got a Queen soundtrack. Oh. All right, so text our picks. Wait, what are to... our picks again? <laughs> so it's Heather's History of the World Part 1 or History of Future Folk. Okay. Uh, say when. And are you ready, Sean? No. Sure, go ahead, whatever. And send. Whoa. Ah, all right. I only we, got... ha- we have our answer. How did I win that? Oh, one? Now I got it. Okay. Looks like we will be uh, doing Paul's pick, History of Future Folk. All right. Cool. Sounds good, I think. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, I voted for it, so what the hey? Let's do it. Let's do this thing. All right. There's your homework, ladies and gentlemen, or ladies and gentlemen, singular. It's <laughs> probably how many listeners we've got. Uh, we will be list- We will be watching and discussing history of future folk with bonus Jiggly <laughs> or or Gigli, however you want to pronounce it. Let's go with Jiggly. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. The theater near you is part of the Geekade Podcast Network. And if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time in theater near you. I ain't afraid of no ghosts.